What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMXC, and this is Nice Minds. I am with my dude, my very, very, very good friend and special guest, Doug Late Lindbergh. What's good, my dude? Yo, what up, man? How you feeling? I am doing well, my dude. Uh, up and down, but but I am doing well. Um, so we've known each other for a minute. We've probably known each other for like at least six, maybe seven years now. Uh, we met at uh, Institute of Production and Recording when we were both students there. And we uh, we started our companies kind of around the same time. You started Initiative Media Group, a.k.a. IMG, and I started NGE, Nice Entertainment. We were like, we were like friendly competition around IPR. I would say, wouldn't wouldn't you agree? Heavy on the friendly, yeah. It always kind of seemed like at IPR, it was kind of like we were the two. I guess the go to crews per se. Yeah. Um, that's. I mean, until half of my crew got banned from IPR for reasons that we're not going to get into. Uh, but yeah. It was always when people when people talked about IPR and, you know, you could start your own company. It was always kind of like, look at these two and what they're doing. And you know, we kind of became, the, I guess, they're not their scapegoats. That's not the right word, but they're poster child, poster children. I couldn't tell you how many times one of the admin reps came into the studio when I was recording and asked me, how many degrees are you getting, Doug? Like, you just asked me this yesterday. You know the answer, but I'll play the game. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so friendly competition, but heavy on the friendly. Yeah, I mean, I got that that admin thing, too. I mean, it was like clockwork. Every single session when they'd have a tour, they would bring it through my studio sessions, and it would just be, you know, we'd be, like, right in the middle of takes or whatever, and it would just be the biggest distraction. I love IPR to death. No diss to any of the admin reps that work there, but like, damn, you guys intruded on so many sessions. I never minded it. You know, with my time in the Navy that I know we're going to get into, I kind of learned how to like separate those things and be able to multitask and focus because you kind of have to. But yeah, it was always just kind of, and most of the time it was really, they weren't like paid sessions that they interrupted for me, but yeah. I never, I know, I don't think I ever really minded it. Yeah, for and if sure. I did, they always asked, like, "Is it okay?" And if it wasn't, then you know, I said no. Which, but that was very rare. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was, it was funny though how they would, how they would pull that off. Hell yeah, yeah, every t- every single time. So you briefly mentioned uh, you were in the Navy right before you went to IPR. Um, but you, I mean, you you were a rapper even before the Navy, right? Once I realized that I like I oh. I could actually get into a studio and rap. That was, I think, um, the summer before ninth grade. Um, I do remember years beforehand uh, when I had no knowledge of any of this stuff. I I got a hold of, it was actually one of my CDs. Um, it was like a, a WWF wrestlers like intro album. So it was like a soundtrack for all the wrestlers introductions. And one of the songs I remember had like a minute and a half after the song where it was just the instrumental. So what I did was I took um, just for fun, like I always used to love writing like poetry and stuff, but just for fun, I took 
that last like minute, minute and a half, I wrote, I wrote a song at the time. I didn't really realize that I was writing a rap song. I was just writing and I couldn't sing. So that's what I was doing. Uh, and then I put the CD into the karaoke machine, put a cassette tape in the karaoke machine, hit record. And I just wrapped it into the karaoke machine and like made my song that way. And then I told my mom, um, for Christmas that year, I wanted to record a CD and sell it at Target. That was like my Christmas list. I think that was probably maybe fifth grade. I think everybody our age, like 80s babies, we we got our start in rudimentary ways, like whether it was like karaoke <laughs> machine, whether it was like a tape, you know, machine or player or whatever, or like, you know, just whatever the fuck we had. The kids these days, yeah. I've said this so many times in this podcast, but the kids these days don't know how good they have it, bro. Like we had, we really had to like scrap and figure shit out back then. Oh, dude, seriously. You go from, we went from trying to figure out how to record a song on a karaoke machine and then have to scramble to try to figure out how to get that cassette tape to a CD and never figure it out to being able to have access to pro tools, but you got to have the $700 to buy it to now you only have to have $30 a month to be able to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a whole lot easier now, but I mean, yes, it's easier, but you still have to be good at what you're doing. Oh, fuck. You yeah. know? So yeah. Um, I think, but again, I think that was like fifth grade. Um, and then I would still kind of like write, I would dabble in like writing poems and not ever really realize that I could put them over beats until the summer before ninth grade, when I was introduced to, um, an R and B singer that lived close by my mom's house, we became friends. I would record in his studio or in his basement in his dad's studio. Um, and then from there, I started working with somebody who was actually a student at IPR. And that's what actually put me onto IPR. Um, I tried to go in 2008, like right when I graduated high school. So 2007, actually, when I graduated high school, I had applied um, to go to IPR. Me and my mom went, we toured the school. Dude, I toured many times too, man. Like back yeah. then. Yep. For um, the school, you know, fell in love with the studios, went back to the admin office, and then they started talking numbers. We left. My mom looked me dead in the eye. She's like, I can't co-sign this for you. She's like, you don't have to, you have to figure something out, make some money. So I immediately started going to work full time. Didn't have nothing saved up for like a year. And then said, forget about it. And uh, quit that job, joined the Navy. Five years later, went back, completely paid for school. Uh, can I swear on here? I should oh, fuck that. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Cause you have been, all right. I try not to, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of what that was. So all in all, since the beginning of high school is, is when I had been rapping, but then I really like, I really got in tune with it and really took it seriously when I got to Hawaii. When you joined the Navy, you were stationed in Hawaii. Was it the whole time? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, we would do, like it was funny because like I was rapping before, um, and when I got to boot camp, boot camp is in Great Lakes. It was just like just I don't know north, south, east, or west of Chicago. 
it was like 30, 40 minutes from Chicago, maybe. Um, so yeah, I went to boot camp, and then once my like drill sergeants, if you will, they're not called that in the Navy, but once they found out that I was into music and I rapped, they had me like writing all kinds of like graduation cadences and all this kind of other stuff um, for our division. And then from boot camp, I went to Connecticut for like three months. Didn't really do anything out there because that was like the in-between time. So if I got in trouble in Connecticut, I wasn't going to Hawaii. So I just kind of minded my business out there. And then uh, I don't know exactly when it was, but yeah, from 2000, let's see, because I graduated in July or August from boot camp. Uh, yeah, I think November of 2008 maybe is when I went to Hawaii. How did it mentally prepare you uh, for like what you do now? I mean, it did it did it help in any aspects at all? Yes, the attention to detail that you have to have in the Navy, because uh, even like this being on a submarine, if the smallest little thing is off, everybody you could you know we could die yeah basically um so attention to detail was probably the biggest thing um that's very important especially in like mixing and mastering yeah and then just having to have the ability to multitask uh learning how to deal with different personalities was probably the biggest thing i would say because i mean you and i are completely different people uh different things make us go different things make us tick and that's true for everybody so being in any kind of industry you know especially if you want to be like at the top and like you want people to listen to you you have to understand how to get them to do that so you know what what i say to you that works to get you to do what i need you to do is going to be different from you know fad or the next person. Um, so learning and understanding different personalities, attention to detail. Uh, and then I, I always, you know, the time difference between Hawaii and here, uh, was like five, six hours, I think I'd have to look. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of figured, you know, working in a studio, you're going to be doing it late at night. So once I came back, I just never adjusted my my sleep schedule to to Minnesota time. I just kind of stayed on Hawaii time and I've kind of been like that ever since. I mean, I go to sleep now at like 11, 12 at the end because of the baby. But beforehand I would, I'd go to bed at one, two o'clock in the morning if I didn't have anything to do and then wake up at seven and do it all over again. Yep. That's kind of our industry though, too. I mean, our industry, we're all kind of night owls. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I would say those are those are probably the things that the Navy trained me for to to do what I'm doing now. Um, and then obviously the 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 GI Bill was really what allowed me to get the training per se. So was that the whole reason why you joined the Navy was to to get that GI Bill to go to IPR? Then honestly, bro, no. Um, I so I was 19. And in my head, I figured, you know, I was I was working in a warehouse and I was walking around the warehouse one day, picking orders. And I 
the order that I picked was I had to put two pens inside of a plastic bag and send it down a conveyor belt. And as soon as I threw those two pens in my cart, I was just, I was like, dude, this can't be, this can't be it. Like, there's no way this is it for me. Um, honestly, my plan initially was to join the Navy, do 20 years, get a pension, get out at 39, find another job based on what I did in the military, do that for 20 years, and then retire at 59 with two pensions. Um, that was originally the plan. I had no intentions of continuing to pursue music. Um, I just figured, you know, let's, let me just let life, you know, do what it's supposed to do. Uh, but as soon as I got to Hawaii and as soon as I stepped foot in the submarine, I was like, yeah, I, I, no, I can't do this for 20 years. I'm good. Yeah. Cause you would do, you do mad time on the submarines, wouldn't you? I would say overall for the, we'll say just for the sake of continuing with the conversation, we'll say that I was actually stationed on the submarine for four years. Um, of, of that, say four years, I would say, 70 70 of it we were out to sea underwater wow that's crazy to be fair when i say out to sea underwater it's you know we we had two six-month deployments that i did but you know we would be out for like a deployment we would start at pearl harbor we would leave and we'd be under for 10 days and then we'd pull into guam for a week and then we would do whatever we had to do in Guam. Um, and then we would just go out into the Western Pacific and, you know, do the things that I'm not allowed to talk about. And frankly, the things that I don't even like, I don't even know what we did half the time um, just because of security clearances and stuff. Right. But, but we would do that for, you know, 30 to 60 days. And then we would pull into Japan or Singapore or, you know, one of these other countries and be there for you know five six days and then go do it again um so i count i count all that time like when we're in ports in foreign ports as out to sea time because we weren't home we weren't back in hawaii so yeah i mean we would do that uh, we do a deployment for six months and then we come home and we'd be on what they call stand down for 30 days uh it's basically it's similar to like holiday break or, or spring break it's just where you're home for 30 days and then you're not the boat's not going out to see nothing it's just half of the crew is working every three days the other half is either staying on the island but not coming into work um, or they go home for for two weeks um, and then they do that for the holidays as well. You can either take half of the holiday stand down off or, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, and then, yeah, throughout the rest of, throughout the rest of the year um, or years or whatever it is before between deployments, you would have a mix of, you know, you'd either go out for, for two weeks or and then be in for a week or be in for two months because you have to fix this piece of equipment and then once this piece of equipment's fixed then you got to go out and you test it 
Uh, and then you have all these different, uh, what are they called? Testings, if you will, uh, to make sure that you're authorized to go on deployment. So, yeah, I would say in a 12 month period, six and a half to seven months of that were out to sea. Damn, that's got to train you to be mentally strong. And I think you, you've got to be like super mentally strong just to like even do that. Cause I can't imagine, bro. I, I feel like I would get claustrophobic. Yeah, um, I am a little bit claustrophobic now. But yeah, I mean, it's there's there's a lot of people that don't make it. I mean, my my, my team specifically, we had a point where we had we had four guys in a row come in brand new, like fresh out of school, come in and they'd last two weeks to a month and they were gone. Like it got to the point where like our like superiors would come, like came down and talk to our team and were like, look guys, you need to, you need to be a little bit easier on the new guys. Cause we can't keep getting new guys when you guys push them to the edge. Cause it's, I mean, it's, it's doggy dog. Like we don't, yeah. like we don't have time for bullshit. Like you, you mess up one thing and you're literally potentially going to kill 150, 200 people. So the way we looked at it, man, is like, if, if you're not mentally strong enough to do this, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Cause we don't have, we don't have time for you. Like I'm not dying for you. And I know you're not dying for me. So, you know, figure it out. If you can't handle me beating your ass a little bit, yelling at you, then you can't be here. Yeah. And I, I totally see that as your personality. I mean, cause, cause I, I don't think I've ever, I've rarely seen you mad. Like I've, I've never, I feel like I never see you get super excited you know, you're just always this like even keeled dude. And I feel like you have to be that in order to make it in the Navy. Like you just, you, you just have to. You've never gotten really drunk with me then. No, I haven't actually. We, we do <laughs> got to make that happen sometime. Cause I'm sure other people have seen, have seen that side of you. I don't know, man. I'm a, I'm a dad now. I got responsibilities. Yeah. I feel that. But no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I'm monotone. The wife, the wife says. Asher calls me monotone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I keep I keep a lot of things, like you said, even keel, because I, I don't know. I just I don't know if like I feel like I have to, or if that's just kind of how I am. Um, I don't know when that happened, but it did. So and I like it that way. Cause yeah. like you said, I don't get mad, like, and there's no point. Right. There's no point in getting mad, I don't think, because what am I going to do? Ruin? I'll, I'll ruin my night yeah. if I get mad. You know, Straight up. I've been there, but very rare. Facts. And I mean, that's what I've always admired about you is, I mean, because, I mean, you know me, like I have dealt with mad anxiety. I'm super excitable, super anxious, just uh, just super all over the place sometimes. And you're just always that like 
that dude where, you know, if, if I'm freaking out about something, you could just be like, bro, like, it's not that serious. You, you know, calm the fuck down. And you, I, I feel like you've been that dude for countless people. And we, we need, we need, we need more Dougs. We need more people like you to just <laughs> calm our asses down and just bring us back down to earth. So, um, talk about, uh, starting, uh, IMG. So you, uh, you did that pretty quickly after starting at IPR, right? It was before I graduated. I graduated in 2016. So it all, it all started with, it initially was just me and Thad. Um, Thad Hill, shout out to him. We, we connected. And then I always knew that I wanted to, you know, like own a record label per se. And initially i started with what i called new option entertainment that was in high school um don't ask me where the name came from i don't know it just popped in my head one day i made a logo and then that was the crew and then when i went to the navy uh that same crew that i was doing new option with they started this whole soul fly movement so then that was kind of the thing um and then when I came home, I, I guess I kind of needed like my own thing. Um, cause I wasn't, I wasn't kicking it with the, that so fly group as often. Uh, we're always still boys. Like those are still my, my best friends, um, to this day, but I kind of wanted to like be in charge of my own thing. Um, so that's when initiative media group came in came into play and i called it initiative media group even though it was primarily at the time a group of artists um we're looking at it as a record label but i called it initiative media group so that we weren't it wasn't limited to just being a record label you know because i had other plans like because i was doing photography um i wanted to get into video i wanted to do you know commercials, advertisements, all this other stuff. And I still want to do all that. But at the time, it was just the group of us. Uh, and for a while, it was just for fun. Um, and then after a solid couple-year run of just doing a bunch of shows, I stepped back from the performing side and then just focused on the business. And then it kind of grew into what it is now which is not a record label at all. Um, frankly, all the guys that I had on the team as a record label, they kind of all went, went their own ways musically. Um, and I just focused on, you know, what was bringing an actual income to the business, which was 99% photography, 1% studio work. And now here we are. It's 100% photography, and I'm honestly not even doing any studio work. It's kind of crazy how you and I, there's so many similarities between you and I, and there always has been. And I kind of did the same thing with NGE, except I, I'm i still on the audio side, but I kind of got into doing podcasts and uh, commercial work as my like bread and yeah. butter. Um, you just went the photography route, uh, which is dope. How'd you even get started as a photographer, too? IPR. Oh, yeah, because they had that like class and stuff. With the GI Bill, I had the option to go part-time or full-time. And with full-time, I, I had to maintain 13 credits a quarter, I think it was, 
Uh, and if I did that, then the government cut me a check every month for living expenses. Because the theory is, if I'm in school full time, I can't work. So I got cut a check for $1,600 a month every month for three years, uh, tax free. So I was, I think, third quarter IPR maybe. And I had it set, I had 11 credits and I needed one elective to maintain my full time. And I saw photography and I was like, you know what, fuck it. My dad's a photographer. My girlfriend at the time was a photographer. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. Let me join the family business. So took the class and fell in love with it. And the rest is history. That's fire. Took photography, took the second photography class. And then I started seeing my name get mentioned. Um, I would get tagged on Facebook for people looking for a photographer in the same post that my photography instructor was getting tagged in. So that to me was kind of a sign like, okay, she taught me and I'm getting on the same level. And obviously it wasn't that case, but it felt like that at the time. Like, okay, if, if the same people, if I'm in the same class as her, theoretically, in that regard, I was like this, obviously I'm doing something right. So I just kind of stuck with it. I think that's super dope that your wife, Asher, does that too. And you guys do uh, like co-photography sessions with people and stuff. That That's that's fire. Yeah, mostly weddings. Um, but every now and then I'll have a shoot. Like we did um, Justin Burke's engagement photos. Um, and she like, she made me schedule that session when she was able to come because she wanted to be a part of it. That's dope. On top of that, we have yet to talk about your love for wings, your obsession with chicken wings. Um, you started recently uh, in the last year or two, uh, Wingsburg Station. Yeah, I started the channel officially in October. Um, I dropped the first video, just the introduction video in October. Um, the channel was kind of a long running plan for a little while, honestly, before, you know, COVID even shut everything down the first time. Um, it all started with the show birds and bars that we're getting ready to launch. No fire. Hell yeah. That was the inspiration for the channel. Wingsburg station kind of just became a thing later on. Um, but it was initially just going to be birds and bars. And then once, once COVID shut everything down in March of 2020, that's literally when we were going to start filming. Oh, damn. Obviously, it couldn't film. So I just kind of started doing other random things. And I mean, you look at the channel, you see a whole bunch of, you know, I go to different restaurants. Um, I try new sauces. I have a couple of videos with my oldest son, Isaiah, where we just try wing flavored snacks. Um, dropped a, a music video, a corny, horribly produced and edited music video that I did myself um, in a the, you know, the bootleg Apple iMovie program um, for Christmas. I did a, I did a Christmas song, 12 days, 12 days of wings miss is what it was, was called. Super hilarious. Shout out to, to Joe Sadowski for 
producing and recording and editing that. Um, so yeah, it's just a whole bunch of random stuff. I had a lot of plans for the channel, um, but COVID kind of slowed a lot of that process down. Um, and now I'm just, I'm to the point now where, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta get out what we can. So I wanted, I had a whole plan. Like I wanted to do, there's so many people that I wanted to film birds and bars without here, but you know, with, with us leaving at the end of September, we, I have enough time to film two more episodes. Um, so I'll have five that I've done in Minnesota and then I'm going to restart it back up when we get back out to Hawaii again uh, with some people, with some of the artists out there that I, that I really fuck with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's going to be dope. Um, all I can really say is just tune in. That's what's up, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. And, like, I, I love everything I've seen, man. I, I think it's super entertaining and super dope, the concepts that you've come up with so far. Uh, so you, you guys are moving back to Hawaii. That's, that's really dope. Um, are is there plans to kind of just do the same things you've been doing out here, but like on a, you know, on a different level out there? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it's extremely expensive. So, you know, you have to, I mean, the, the income that we have now, like we would be barely getting by out there um i do know that i definitely don't want to do any call center work anymore which has been like my nine to five job mainly i'm i'm good on doing that anymore um the goal the goal is to really push to establish each of our separate photography businesses um i have somebody that i'm working with out there a close friend of mine who actually, he actually did our wedding video. Um, I'm working with him to hopefully we're planning on opening up a recording studio. Um, and I want to open up a photo studio as well. And then he designs, he designs a lot of clothes. So I figure, you know, let's, if we're opening all this stuff, let's open up a storefront and put all this in the back. Um, so hopefully, I mean, hopefully we can make that happen. It's right now, it's just kind of an idea. Um, we haven't really put any plans in motion yet just because I'm here, he's there. And really all that he could do is look at places and we can kind of determine what an idea of cost would be for overhead. Um, but yeah, I mean, we plan on continuing to work together to do weddings uh, for, from the photography standpoint and out there, you know, it's, photography is very good business out in Hawaii, especially with oh, I'm weddings, sure. as I'm sure, you know, common sense could tell you a lot of people love to get married in Hawaii. So that's very good money and they, they pay big money to do it. Um, actually, I looked online and a wedding photographer out there, you can, you can make up to six figures oh, that's uh, just doing wedding. I, so I believe it. Yeah. That's a goal. Um, obviously I'm going to continue with, uh, Williamsburg station. I want to actually open up, uh, like a food truck and flip wings out of a truck. That'd be fire. Hell there, yeah. For a while. I have dude, so many people that I know out there, a lot, a lot of my friends, I always ask them like, yo, where's the best wings? 
and everybody says like there there aren't really any good wing spots out oh, here. Oh damn! I want to call bullshit on that because there's just no way. Yeah, you would think. I mean, Hawaii and their meats and stuff. Yeah, like with all the Chinese food restaurants out there, you're telling me that nobody has good wings. Like, okay. So, I mean, but hey, I mean, if 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 I have more than one person telling me that, there's obviously a market that I can come in and take over. So I plan to do that. Hell yeah. Uh, Asher has her photography. She has a couple other business ventures that she wants to get into, um, but I'm not at liberty to discuss any of that right, right now. So, you know, she has her things. I have my things. And when it comes down to it, we're going to have enough businesses to pass on to the four or five kids, however many we end up having. I'm excited to see what you end up doing, man. I'm excited to see uh, how the channel grows and how the company grows and all the businesses that you end up starting. Cause, cause I know, I know it's going to happen, bro. I appreciate it, man. Hell yeah. It's, it's all just time. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta be proactive and be patient at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Hard work and patience, man. That's all it takes. That's really what it takes. Um, man, I appreciate your time tonight, man. Uh, any last words you want to leave the people with? Bro, you know what's funny? I thought about it. I realized this the other day. Like two two of my, I guess, quote unquote, celebrity idols. I don't really have too many of those. But Kobe Bryant and Gary Vee. Kobe Bryant always talked about, you know, RIP. Um, but before he died, he always talked about how you don't have time to to mess around. You know, and obviously that worked for him because he's, you know, one of the, the best basketball players to ever touch an NBA floor. Right. And he passed so early too. Yeah. But then you have Gary V on the other side. You have all the time. All you have is time. So it's like. I listen to both of those and they both make sense, but it's like, who do I want to listen to today? You know what I mean? Word. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, that's, that's crazy, man. Cause I, I ran into a lot of stuff that I didn't know we had in common. And Gary V is, is one of my, I can't really think of who the other one would be at, at the top, but, but Gary V is definitely that dude for me as well. So that's, that's another similarity that we have. That's dope. Yeah. Honestly, it's his, uh, the second because he has that first book crush it and then he and has then crushing, crushing it. it yep um i read crushing it and that's honestly what made me decide to just say fuck it and start the youtube channel that's what made me start start this bro we should start a book club and just read gary v <laughs> hell yeah the new book's coming out uh what november i think oh really yeah he's coming out with a new one it's uh i think it's basically like he's get, talking about like the 12 personality traits that like made him successful and like the 12 personality traits that he admires the most something like that something that have to do with like more um like what what personality traits it takes to be successful it's still i actually i got put onto him because of ipr oh really we had to watch something that gary v was a part of um and yeah that's kind of what put me onto him it was the fact that he swore so much that that really that yeah. i liked i do that's why yeah. i had to ask him to to swear people uh confront him about it and he just defends it he's like he's like because it's the way i fucking talk like he's like shut the fuck up 
because this is me fucking deal with it right i love it being authentic is the most important thing i agree man so yeah be authentic and just fucking do it great words of advice dude thank you my friend i appreciate you